May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Saturday is often referred to as Christ's harrowing of hell, his harrowing of hell. Those of you who have spent some time on a farm, maybe grew up on a farm, might know what a harrow is. It's this spiked implement that's drawn over plowed land to break up clods, to pull up weeds, and level the ground for planting. When we speak of harrowing experiences, we mean one that is hair-raising and unnerving, one that disturbs the peace and challenges our sense of security. Whatever in us remains to be broken up and rooted out so that we may be made fertile and fruitful may need to be harrowed. It's not likely to be a comfortable process. One of the hopes I brought into 2021 was that the harrowing experiences so many of us went through during a year of pandemic and political upheaval might make our common ground more ready for new, fruitful, more equitable ways of doing things, providing education and healthcare while making institutions more flexible, leadership more agile, and government more resp responsive and responsible. I hoped the pain we shared and witnessed might help break up the clods of, Greek, of greed and tear out the roots of warmongering triumphalism, break open our hearts, and leave us receptive to seeds of change scattered by a divine hand. Many died in the harrowing months. Many were pepper sprayed in the streets. Many banners were inscribed with insistent calls for change. And that change, when it comes, will have exacted a great cost. The early church doctrine of the harrowing of hell, the belief that in between his death and resurrection, Christ descended into hell and burst its very gates to redeem the dead, is not in the gospel record. But it makes complete sense given what he came to earth to do. Restore our frayed relationship with the source of life. Open his arms wide in forgiveness and call out a people from darkness into divine light. All people of all times and places. A God who is not bound by time would not be bound by the pastness of the past. And if the message of the gospel is that death has been conquered, a gathering of the dead into the great now of the kingdom of heaven would seem a fitting conclusion of that promise and fact. So the Triduum, these three days in which we commemorate the final journey from the Mount of Olives 
to the open tomb makes the past liturgically present. The liturgy of Good Friday takes us through the painful moments on the way to the cross, the mockery, the scourging, the stumblings, the humiliations, the final relinquishment. Easter Sunday is all celebration of the resurrection that enabled us once and for all to live out our journeys here and what the Book of Common Prayer calls a sure and certain hope. And Holy Saturday brings the harrowing of hell into the present time. That strange haunting day after the crucifixion, before the resurrection, focuses not only on the empty altar and the appalling fact of what happened when humankind rejected love, but also the depth and breadth and persistence of that love. Christ stretched out his arms on the cross in an embrace that encircled the whole world. He also descended to hell itself to lift humankind into that now of his kingdom. I've long loved Psalm 139 for its exuberant confidence, but I especially love the reassurance in verses seven to 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there, your right hand will lead me. Even there, your right hand shall hold me fast. In older translations, the Hebrew term for the place of the dead, Sheol, is translated as hell. I like that translation. It seems appropriately jarring. Besides which, the idea that I might make my bed in hell is a strong reminder that I'm capable of doing just that. Convincing myself that I can be happy and at home in the squalor of gluttony, lust, sloth, avarice, and the whole list of other habits that keep one self-focused and afraid. But the, psalmist, but the place which the psalmist speaks is also a place, thank God, that is pathetically ramshackled and offers no protection from the hound of heaven. That resonant image from Francis, Thomas, Francis Thomas's poem about the spirit who hunts us down to bring us home. Thompson's long, unsettling, but strangely reassuring poem of that title, The Hound of Heaven, it begins with words in which I imagine many of us might recognize our own story. I fled him down the night and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down my labyrinthine ways of my own mind, and in the midst of tears, I hid from him and under running laughter. 
The poem continues, and a narrative of flight and pursuit by those strong feet that followed, that followed after. It ends with a triumphant invitation to the captive. Rise, clasp my hand, and come. And an accusation so kind, it serves as a word of welcome. Ah, fondest, blindest, weakest, I am he whom thou seekest. God, the poem suggests, hunts us down with a divine love that is strong, fierce, and urgent. Not as a predator, but as a tremendous lover. God seeks us to make us safe and to free us from our own prisons of fear and shame. God will follow us anywhere, adown titanic glooms of chasmed fears and across the margin of the world. The God of the Psalms will follow us to the farthest limits of the sea and into Sheol itself, equipped like a farmer who knows life depends on it, with a harrow. Nowhere are we beyond the hand that holds that harrow. It's the same hand that lifted Peter as he sank, raised a girl from her deathbed, and reached to accept a drink of water from a Samaritan woman from whom most would have turned away. The hand that harrows hell holds us safe. Most parents, I sense, know that. Though there might be offenses that would divide them from a beloved child by distance or disagreement or distrust, nearly nothing could quite obliterate their love. And so we have the more reason to imagine that the Holy One, who is love itself, will stop at nothing, not even the gates of hell, to find us, to make us whole, and to bring us home. This, friends, is very good news.